Well, good morning. It is good to be with you today, and it's great for us to be together and to praise God and to remember his son, our Lord and Savior, and what he's done for all of us. Redeeming and saving souls is what the gospel of Christ and what his kingdom is all about. Think about it this way. Before time began, before God created Adam, redeeming and forgiving sinners was already in the mind and in the heart of God our creator. And then you think about how our Lord Jesus Christ is really in the saving business. That's what the business of Jesus is all about. It's about saving souls, souls like you and like me. Everything about his mission of doing his Father's will was all about finding and saving the lost, including you and including me. The church. The very church which God's Son purchased with his blood and built for humanity is his body. And it is a body of cleansed sinners, and it is a body of saved souls, and it is the Lord himself who adds the saved ones to that body, that one body of those who have been reconciled back to God their creator For he is the savior of all of humanity. He is the savior of mankind, and he is also the savior of the church. With salvation being core to God's will, with salvation being core to Christ's calling and to the very existence of the church, would you not agree Would you not agree with me that saving sinners ought to be on our minds constantly? Wouldn't you agree with that? Based upon the overall message of the inspired mind and will of God and why Jesus came. With that said, let us think about what is stated in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Where there, you're, you're very familiar with a statement that is made, that is, set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated, and not on things here below, it goes on to say. Now, this directive, this statement, he says, set your mind on things above, which is from the Lord, through the Spirit, through His servant, Paul, is teaching you and me about the importance of mental training. He's teaching about the importance of spiritual focus. Why is that? Well, we understand thoughts stir desires. And thoughts give rise to words. And eventually, thoughts culminate in actions. Our creator, our God, your God, my God, our God knows the power of thoughts. And so therefore, through the Holy Spirit, 
God the Father and God the Son, tell us, set your mind on things above. He knows. He knows how your mind works. He knows how my mind works since he's the creator of it. And he created our minds for what purpose? For us to just use it for our own selfish gratification? Of course not. That's not why he created us. And that's not why he made the mind that we have. He created it to be a resource. He created it to be a tool for productivity. And so this instruction about set your mind on things above is all about intentionally directing your mind. You direct your mind intentionally. And you think about that. Anything that is done intentionally is done purposefully. Anything that is done intentionally is done deliberately. And anything that is done intentionally is done earnestly. And so God says, set your mind. You intentionally direct your mind. Why does he tell us that? Because you can. You can set your mind in a certain way. You have the ability, you have the power, it is God-given, God-ordained, and God-directed that we are to direct our minds, and at times we are to redirect our mind in the way that we are instructed to do so. Now, we all know, and we know it too well, that our minds forget things from time to time. And our minds sometimes wander off just occasionally, maybe even during this sermon, you're thinking about someone else. And even to the point that our minds in this world and in our lives get cluttered. And so therefore, it is important that we take measures to train our minds to focus on the right kind of things. And so the command is that we are to mind above things. Now, verse 1 clearly reveals to us that the above things pertain to Christ. It pertains to everything that's connected or related to Christ Jesus, the Son of God. And so when our minds are properly minding Christ... When our minds are intentionally directing ourselves toward Christ, when you read the rest of chapter 3, you see some practical manifestations of that. For one, when you mind Christ, you are, you are constantly and daily considering your body, the members of your body, as dead to sin. And so you are every day putting away anything that is sinful. That's one manifestation of minding above things. But that's only part of it because the chapter continues to build on that thought. And then it says, okay, yes, put away sin. You're dead to sin now. But also at the same time, you have to be putting on something. You got to replace 
that, you know, what you put away with something good. And so it talks about all these different virtues, these characteristics that are reflections of Jesus in you. So that is an, that is an illustration of when you mind Christ and your mind is set on above things, what starts to happen? What is the product of that kind of mental, spiritual training of your mind. An example of that is found in James chapter 3 when it talks about wisdom and it contrasts wisdom that is from below and wisdom that is from above. But we want the wisdom from above because that's where our mind is. Our mind are on things above. So we want above kind of wisdom. And once again, we have some very practical you know, manifestations of when we are receiving and utilizing heavenly wisdom, what does that look like? It's not just something that stays, stays in your head. It's something that's manifested. And so, for example, in James chapter 3, there at the last two verses of the chapter, it reads, the wisdom from above is first pure. Purity is wisdom. It's God's wisdom. But that's not all. He goes on. He says, yes, above is first pure and then peaceable and gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy, and the seed is fruit is righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. So that's just an illustration of when we are intentionally directing our minds on above stuff. When we're intentionally directing and redirecting our thoughts on things above, such as heavenly wisdom, what happens in our life? Well, we are transformed. We are changed. Philippians 4, we have already read this morning, the beginning of our assembly, where we clearly see we are directed, we are to meditate, we are to ponder, we are to think on certain things. And there's a number of things there as well that we're told to focus on, and they are right things and pure things and good things. So now let me present a question to you. When we are putting our minds, when we are directing our minds on Christ, on above kind of stuff, how does that influence and impact you and me as it relates to the Lord's mission? as it relates to the Lord's business of saving souls. If my mind is set on above things, how does that relate to this idea of evangelism and personal evangelism? I think it does. If I am, my mind is being filled with the mind of Christ, and the mind of Christ is, and his will and his purpose and mission is all about finding lost souls that are willing to humble themselves under the mighty hand of the King and Lord Jesus Christ, then that's what I need to be thinking about. And I need to be thinking about that a lot. That is, I need to intentionally be directing my mind, you need to be intentionally directing your mind on Christ's salvation of sinners. Christ does the saving, my brethren. Christ is the Savior, 
my beloved. Not you and me. But if I, my mind's on Jesus, and he, in his business is all about saving the loss, then I need to be directing my mind in a way that I'm thinking about that. I recently was able to you know, be part of a study, a class, where Andy Cantrell was presenting a lesson, and he, re- he reminded me of the, the four C's of evangelism. Actually, you can go back on our website you know, to a series of studies that our brother David you know, Creech has presented, and, and these points are found there as well. And the four C's are care, consciousness, courage, and craft. Now, I'm quite confident, I feel quite assured that, that most, if not all, Christians care. I know you care. you care. You care about people. And you care about the people around you. And I know you want them to be saved. You care. I am confident of that. Now, craft may be a little bit of a challenge for some because that has to do with your ability and your skills and how you have cultivated those abilities and refined those abilities and skills so they can be used in evangelism. But the point is, craft is something that is learned. It is something that's developed. It is something that is refined and you work at getting better at that. And so, but that's going to take time. That's going to take effort. You know, you have to look at, your, at yourself in the mirror and decide, to go, what, what are my strengths? You know, what can I do? How can I use these abilities for God? I need to craft that in a way, you know, so I am diligent in evangelism. Courage is a tough one for a lot of us because it involves us overcoming our fears. Because fear has a way of hindering ourselves. Fear has a way of kind of, you know, causing us not to act or react in the moment, maybe in in the way we should. Why? Well, maybe because we have a fear of our own inadequacies. And if that be the case, okay, well then work on your craft a little bit more. Or it may be the fear we have a fear of the reactions of others because we, want, we don't want people to get mad at us. We don't want people to not like us. And so there's a number of fears that hinder or become obstacles to greater diligence when it comes to evangelism. But this morning, I want to focus on that second one, consciousness. It may just be the greater hurdle for most of us. More so than we'd like to admit. The idea of the consciousness of evangelism. The word being conscious or consciousness, it means more than just you're alive and breathing, okay? Obviously, that's part of it, but it has to do with having a feeling or knowledge or other words such as being aware, being cognizant. So let me ask you this question, and you just kind of think about this yourself for a second or two, and that is, are our minds aware? Are our minds 
cognizant of all the people around us who are actually lost. Are we conscious of that as we ought to be? People with whom that we may interact, even if it is but for a small momentary exchange, and yet your life has crossed their path. Are we as conscious about these people that we intersect with that are lost? Have we set our mind on evangelism so that we're thinking about lost souls around us every single day? Do you think that way every day? I have to confess, even as a preacher, I fall short of that. Are we considering that each person with whom we come in contact with is an evangelistic opportunity? And it may just be the clerk that you just purchased something from. Or maybe your bank teller. But because now it's, you know, one of the, the cons of di- digital world is you're not interacting with people in a way that we should. And you're, you're having less and less Intersection with people in a real person-to-person way. So maybe you need to stop doing uh, online banking all the time and go to the bank and meet somebody. The point is, I'm just going to make this morning is this idea of setting our minds on above things. And one of those above things, and a big part of that above thing is the salvation centers. Are we as conscious every day about that as we should? What would Jesus say or what would Jesus do in all of our passing moments? Think about all these little intersects with people that we have from day to day. What would, have, what would Jesus have done in, at that intersection? <laughs> what would he said? What would he've done? That momentary encounter. Well, I think one thing Jesus tells us is this in John chapter four, he says, don't be telling yourself there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. <laughs> you know, don't be saying, oh, well, no, you know, I'll, I'll say something to them another time. I'll get to that later. He says, behold, I say, to you, lift up your eyes and look. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. This instruction, this, this commandment to his disciples, very simply is telling them, you need to see the people around you and take them to heart. You need to see what Jesus sees when he looks out on the field. And sadly, because of our frailties, because of our carnalities, we don't always see what Jesus sees. We just see what we want to see. We just see what we're looking for. 
And so watch out for this concept here of there's still four months to go. What is that? That's procrastination. That's what that is. Watch out for, for, for procrastination. He says, look out. Look out, you know, in, in, you know, in the world. You know, look, you know, look out your door. Look out your window. See all around you people. People that God loves. People that Jesus died for. People who need Jesus to be saved. We need to be aware. We need to be cognizant of the importance and the urgency of saving souls while we can. And that's why I say this second C in the list, this idea of consciousness is probably a bigger hurdle for a lot of us than we want to really admit. Because sometimes we're just not thinking about it. It's just not on our minds, as it should be. And why is that? Well, I think one reason is our minds get crowded. And they're often crowded, you know, with the business of just living in this world, living on this earth, and that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, we need to be busy living life and living as God wants us to live it. Rejoicing every day and treasuring the blessings that we have. And so things such as family matters or responsibilities with your job or maybe even just the day-to-day domestic maintenance that has to go on. All of those tasks, all of those things are all good things. And they are things that you need to be doing and you need to be tending to those things. You know, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, what did he do? He gave them a job. He says, okay, take care of this. And we have been given jobs to do in this sense. We have a life that we're to live for God, and we're to tend to all the facets you know, that that life involves. And we need to do the best we can in those relationships. And we need to do so properly and in a Christ-like way. But the point is, as we faithfully and diligently apply ourselves to meeting these God-ordained responsibilities, family, job, community, you know, just tending to life matters. As we are doing those things, what happens though, and I think we're all on the same plane from time to time at least, what happens to us all is this, that our thoughts become so consumed with tending to the here and now obligations, our mind is not as set on the business of the Lord saving souls. It may just be our minds are just not thinking about evangelism because our minds are set in a different direction. Now, some of those things you need to be thinking about, and you need to be doing those things. But the problem is, we can get consumed with this idea of the momentary consciousness of living life. Live life, and live it joyfully. And live it gratefully 
and gloriously to the Lord. But along the way, don't forget to set your mind on the above things of saving souls. I want to give you three practical reminders, just three practical reminders to help us to set our minds on personal evangelism. You using whatever your skills are, whatever your abilities are, whatever opportunities that come your way, you doing the best to use that to the best of your ability, to the glory of God, you know, according to the name of Christ. You know, what are three things to help us to be more mindful of this? To mind the above thing of saving souls. The first one is simply this, and that is the power to convert and the power to save sinners is the gospel of Christ. The power is not you. Neither is the power me or any other evangelist. The power is not us. And so we are reminded in Romans and in 1 Corinthians where Paul writes, he says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel and why is that? Because it is God's power. The gospel is God's power to save the one who will believe. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, he says, you know, I, you know, I planted and, and Apollos watered and those were the, the crafts that were utilized by those two brothers of ours. But Paul did not bring the increase, and neither did Apollos bring the increase. But they were great workers in the kingdom, and they were diligent in evangelism in the first century. But it is God who brings the increase. It is God who causes the growth, because it is his words that are the words of eternal life. We are simply messengers, but be a messenger. Be a messenger, be a vessel that has filled itself with the word of Christ and, and then start pouring that out to the best of your ability. Imagine yourself you know, as a garden pitcher, you know, and you fill that, you know, that container with water. What do you do? And you just kind of go, go around watering everything that needs watered. And that's what we need to be doing. You know, when we do that, you know, we're not the water. <laughs> and so we're not the ones that made that plant grow, did, are we? God did. But we got to do our part. So remember that. Remember that it is God to his son Christ, the revelation of the Spirit's work of his word, that same souls, we're the messenger, we're simply the vessel, and then you start pouring out the water of life and the bread of life on the hearts of others. Second reminder, life is uncertain. Life is transient. James 4, 14 reminds us in the context of, hey, you know, making plans, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and he says, you know, slow down, brother. Wait a minute. You're getting ahead of yourself there. And so the Spirit has James remind saints, 
you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You know, we have plans for tomorrow. And that's good because that's part of tending to the affairs and the business of living your life for God in the way that God expects you as a Christian. But there's no guarantee that that's what you're going to do. You don't know. You do not know how tomorrow is going to turn out. You have plans, but that's just it. But you don't know how those plans will unfold. He says, you're just a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes away. The point is, in the context of minding above things, the above things of salvation, the saving of the lost, that is, you may not have another opportunity to do it. You may not have another opportunity to do it. Today is the day you do it. And every day God gives you, that's the day you do it. Because tomorrow is no guarantee. You may not have another opportunity. But also, they may not have another opportunity to hear either. It's, just not, it's not just you. It's all of us. You and I may not have another opportunity to share the gospel to talk to someone about Jesus. But they may not have another opportunity to hear the message of Jesus, to have some seed sown in their heart. Thirdly and finally, think daily about eternity. Every day, you and I, need to think about eternity every single day. Do we all the time? Or do we get busy with just living life? Heaven and hell are real. They are real. They are eternal realities. And that's why Jesus, in Matthew 10, in talking about something to fear, he said, don't be afraid of what men can do to you. That's nothing compared to what God is able to do. And so he says, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That is something to be afraid of. You need to fear God's ability to cast your soul in hell. But he can do that to all these other people as well. And he will do so justly. And he will do so righteously and impartially by the standard of Jesus Christ. And all those who do not know God and all those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ will be cast out into outer darkness to the suffering of an eternal place called hell. Heaven is real too. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul is encouraging saints 
Christians with these words, reminding us that our citizenship is heaven. You know, we love our country, we're concerned about our country, but this country's not eternal. It's not eternal. And only God knows what's gonna, what's gonna end up here on this continent. But our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. We need to think about eternity every day, not just for our own sake, but also for the sake of others and realize every one of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we all will give an account what we've done in the body and those who are not in Jesus, those you have not called upon the name of the Lord to be saved and who are not walking and abiding in the light of the Son of God, they are not going to heaven. And we can say a lot of nice words in memory of somebody. But our nice words are not what judges them. It is God through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sacrificed on a cross for humanity. A humanity that's corrupt and wicked and evil and cruel and yet he loved us anyway. The gospel of Christ is all about salvation. And so is the church. The body of Christ is all about salvation. And so we need to be setting our minds on Christ's mission of saving souls. But to do that, we might have to do some redirecting, training of our thoughts to be more saving souls oriented. The lesson this morning has been one to stir us up, to, you know, in a sense to motivate us, to cause us to humbly look in the mirror and see where we need to do better and do it to the glory of God. But have you called upon the name of Jesus Christ to be saved? Have you done that? Because if you have not, at this very moment, you are lost. Lost because of the sins you have committed, lost because of the transgressions that you have committed against your Creator, against your Lord and Savior, and against the Holy Spirit. But God doesn't want you to be lost, does he? God wanted you saved long before he even breathed breath into Adam. He already had a plan. And that plan is Jesus Christ. And if you've not called upon the name of the Lord in obedience to the gospel of Jesus, you're outside of Christ and you're lost. And if you die before submitting to Jesus, 
he will die lost and condemned. But that's not what Jesus wants, and that's not what God wants. He simply says, if you believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the, loving, the, Son of the living God, and believe that with all of your heart to the point that you're willing to confess that faith in Jesus Christ with your mouth before others, that not only that Jesus is and that Jesus died, but he was raised on the third day, and with that confession to repent of your sins and be baptized into Christ to receive the gift of salvation. It is through faith and obedience, through faith, repentance, and baptism that we call upon the name of the Lord. It's at that point that we receive forgiveness. If you've not done that, we want to encourage you to do that today, and we're ready to help you. Because today is the only moment you have right now. Tomorrow, there's no guarantee. If you are a Christian, and there may be some sin in your life that you need to correct, you need to repent of, you need to confess it to your Father above, you need to make that right. If we can help you in praying with you, in praying for you, invite you as well. Whatever your spiritual need may be, please come now when we stand and sing the song that's been selected.